All okay? Yeah. Uh, thank you very much. Okay, now, put the glasses on so I can see what I'm talking about. Thank you very much for the introduction. I'm Alistair, and who are my family over there? And, um, yeah, now I'm, I'm bringing us back to Acts. And uh, when uh, Roy asked me to speak on Acts 16 and 17, I thought, oh, Acts. That was a long time ago that we were looking at Acts. Um, so, I thought we'd have a little refresher quiz to start with. And as any good quiz show, I have my uh, two assistants to help me. Very beautiful. Well, a round of applause for the assistants. Okay, they're going to be the ones giving out the prizes. And the prize is a cake. There's three different types of cake. So now you can't win. Now, I know uh, two weeks ago we had our graduates from the discipleship course. Who's a graduate? Well, they're all gone. <laughs> so you might want to sit near one of them because they're very clever people in the Bible and uh, to help you with the answers. So, what? The simple, very simple quiz. Um, I'm going to go for each chapter of Acts and you've got to tell me what the main theme is. But because there's a prize at stake, you do need to put up your hand, okay? It's like school. Put up your hand and uh, we'll see how we get on. So hopefully then, uh, by the time we get to Acts 15, then we'll be up to date and I can continue with the, the sermon. You can go to the next slide, but not the next one, because that has the answers. All right, yeah, close your phones or your Bibles. No cheating. Thank you, Monica. I can see that you're a teacher in, in the past. So, okay, easy one to start with. Acts 1. What's the main theme in Acts 1? Hands up. No, hands up, Monica. Yes, Monica. Yes. Ascension. Okay, prize to Monica. You can give out the prize. Take your choice. Okay, so if you know the answer, the main theme, there's something in each of the chapters, it gets harder later on. These are the easy ones. There's a, something that happens in each of them. I don't know if it was picked up in the sermons or not. Um, but anyway, you'll see. So, Acts 1, Ascension. And also the choosing of uh, Judas's replacement. Uh, Acts 2. Ah, you shouted out, so you're disqualified. Right. Uh, yeah, who was first? All right. But he shouted. I thought Matt was first. But okay, we'll give Patrick one because he helped us with the worship earlier. So. And he can share with Zion. Okay. Uh, yeah, so it was Pentecost. And if I had more cakes, there could be a bonus. What was the other part in Acts? Most of it, actually. Acts 2. There's a bit about the Pentecost. Then what happens? No, in Acts 2. There's a big, long sermon. Who speaks? Peter. Peter's sermon, yeah. So you have the... Uh, so Acts 1 is Ascension, Acts 2 is Pentecost, and then Peter's sermon. Acts 3, a bit harder. Healing. Healing. Is that what you said? Very good. Healing, uh, yeah, so... Peter heals the lame beggar. So a big round of applause for Jonathan. That was getting more difficult. Okay, Acts 4... You can guess. No. It's a bit hard. It's a bit vaguer, this one. Anyone guess? 
Ja, Lena. Uh, no. <laughs> All right, I'll give this one then. It was Peter before the Sanhedrin and the believer's prayer. Oh, maybe you let get one because it's sharing other possessions. Is that what you meant? Yeah, so Lynette can have that for. Sorry. I know Zion's eating it all anyway, so. All right, yeah, so at the end, then they share the possessions. So that was very good. All right, uh, Rory, get ready. Acts 5. Yeah, Ananias and Sapphira, the healings, persecution, and then Gamaliel's statement at the end. So, Acts 6. Acts 6. Um, okay, there was a lot of to do in the church. So they made sort of the changes to how they were organized. Exactly, yeah. They chose the administrators, one of whom was Stephen, yeah. Exactly. And by the end of the chapter, he's already arrested. So they chose the administrators. Stephen was arrested, but his face was like an angel. Remember, Acts 6, face like an angel. Um, Acts 7, continuing the theme at the back. What did he say? Yeah, so Stephen's speech, and what happened to Stephen in the end? Yeah, he was stoned. So right at the back, please, to your colleague, Gerald. So, Acts 7, actually, that's one I did know. <laughs> Acts 7, Stephen's speech. Okay, a little bit more difficult, but maybe you can guess because of the stoning in Stephen. Acts 8, and actually, I spoke, this was the, one of the ones I spoke on last time. And I didn't mention the first part, but I mentioned this. What? Do I can't, what's he saying? The church, yeah, the church is scattered. All right, we give Chantel for that. And then there's a very famous bit. He's running, running, running. Uh, yeah, the Ethiopian eunuch. Uh, Philip and the Ethiopian. Okay, you remember I spoke on that last, last time. And I also spoke on Acts 9. Acts 9, you also might know, very famous bit. What? Somebody famous got converted in Acts 9. So, yeah, conversion of, who put her hand up? Someone else? Ah, at the back. Yeah, Jackie, well done. All right, Saul's conversion. And if you remember, Dorcas stroke Tabitha, they're the same people, is raised from the dead. That's in the second part of Acts 9. We're almost there. Okay, I think you need a clue on this one. You're not doing very well, really, to be honest. <laughs> Acts 10. Now, somebody gets a vision. What was that vision? And then they went to a place. Uh-huh. Yeah. Cornel Did you say Cornelius? Did he say that? Yeah, so Cornelius, or Peter, has a vision. And it's actually the angel speaks to Cornelius, and then Peter has a vision that he should go to that area. Um, yeah, oh, and Peter's vision is to do with unclean and clean. Maybe whoever spoke on that one picked that up. I don't know. Um, Acts 11. This one you may not get. <laughs> Acts 11, I'll tell you then. It's about 
the Gentiles being accepted formally into the church. There was a big discussion whether these Gentiles should really come into the church. Acts 11 is where the decision is made in Jerusalem that they should be allowed in. And the Antioch Christians, the Gentile Christians, even help Jerusalem because it's not a good time at that moment. Okay, now, Acts 12, someone gets arrested, and then there's a knocking on the door. You already had one, you didn't put your hand up. Anyone else? Uh-huh, Nelson. Yeah, Peter. Peter was arrested, what happened? Yeah, he escaped. Even I'm going to be picking up on that today. He escaped, or the prison, he got out of prison, and the believers were busy praying for his release, and there was a knocking on the door, and they didn't know it was... And they, who are you? Oh, Pete. Oh, Peter, come on in. <laughs> so that's Acts uh, 12. Acts 13, you may not know, but it's the start of the missionary journeys. Who went? Who went with Saul? Paul. Barnabas, yeah. Barnabas and Saul sent off to Perga to speak in a... So Monica's already had a cake. Give a cake to somebody else, it's fine. There's a... Um, uh, Acts 14. Again, I don't think you'll know this. Of, uh, um, anyone any ideas? No, so, so Paul here was a lame man. And... Um, the people of Lystra believe in God. That's Acts 14. And then Acts 15. Then, um, okay, it becomes a bit more formal. Maybe it's the first church document. So, good one for you, Monica. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. So, eat one of the cakes yourself. Even your assistant can eat a cake. So, 15, Jerusalem Council. Okay, go to the next slide. So, you can't see that, but that's all your answers, I hope. So, a round of applause for everybody. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's Acts 1 to 15. We're only covering 16 and 17 today, so no worries. Um, 16 and 17, and I'm going to cover it under three themes. I think you can go to the next slide, and now we'll follow through on the slides. Guidance, women's and families, and the unknown God. And I was thinking as I was singing, as Monica was saying, she was listening when we were praying to the worship team practicing, and then we sung that song, Waymaker, again, that uh, when, even when we don't see the way or know the way, God can make a way, or God can lead us into that situation. And I think that also comes through very strongly in what I'm going to share with you now. Um, they jump around the Bible a bit, so if you are following, it's not flowing chronologically, necessarily, or in an order. Um, but they're keeping within those, those um, chapters. So, let's see different ways in which God speaks to us, different ways that God can guide us. And the first is in Acts 16, verse 6. Paul and his companions travelled throughout the uh, region of uh, Phrygia and Galatia, uh, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. So guiding number one, perhaps the most obvious, is the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is our helper. And part of this help is to lead us through the Christian lies. 
But it is also a very proactive leading. And sometimes the Holy Spirit, as in this case, stops us going into something, or going somewhere, or doing something. So this means we need to have tried. Ultimately, there is no harm in trying in the Christian life. We may not be quite sure, try. Even Paul used that. He wanted to go to this place, and the Holy Spirit stopped him going to that place. We think that this might be the opening for us, but it's getting blocked. Perhaps that's the Holy Spirit talking to us. The Holy Spirit can keep doors shut as well as opening them. A few years back in KIC, when I was in the Heritage Congregation, there was a very active Christian family there in the church who had been in Uganda for a long time, and they assumed that God, as their young children were growing up, wanted to keep them in Uganda. But to do that, the husband needed to get work. (coughs) And he kept trying, he was qualified, um, but nothing seemed to work out, despite him having all the skills and experience required. In the end, they realized that it might be God who was keeping the doors shut. And, um, And he needed them elsewhere to serve his kingdom. So they packed up, they said some very sad farewells, and they headed back to the UK, where almost immediately the doors opened for the husband and the wife to serve in different UK offices of Christian organizations. So God, we can pray that the Holy Spirit might open doors for us, but the Holy Spirit may also keep that door shut. I think maybe the same is similar for Dawn. But I don't actually know all of her story, so I didn't want to refer to Dawn, but others can maybe talk to Dawn. But I don't know so much what she's doing in the UK now. But really, the Holy Spirit guides in different ways, but we need to be sensitive to his leading. Sometimes leading us very clearly, sometimes not leading us the way that we would expect it. But wanting us to go somewhere or do something else. Perhaps very different to what we thought. Second one. Acts 16, verse 9 to 10. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man in Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, he got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to him. Guiding number two, dreams. Now I have to confess that I do not really dream very much. And hence, I don't think that God will use this way to guide me. I'm open to it, but I rarely have dreams, actually. But this is not the case with Harriet, my wife there, um, who often shares with me about a dream that she's had in the night. And from experience over a number of years, many of these dreams have come to reality. I was asking her if she wanted to share this morning, but maybe there's not time. But you can talk to her afterwards to see about some of those dreams that she's had and the way God has led her or others through those, those dreams. At times, as was the case with Pharaoh's dreams in the Old Testament, they may not be easy to understand. And perhaps we need to share them with someone who may have the God-given ability to interpret dreams. For Pharaoh, that person was? Joseph, yes. Uh, You can read more about it in Genesis 41, if you like. If you are wondering who your Joseph might be, then please come to speak to one of the leaders of the church or one of the prayer team members. Jackie is uh, singing, is one of the leaders of the prayer team, I think. And uh, they will help you and pray with you. 
They, they also may be as baffled as you about what the dream means. But what I can guarantee is that they will have a listening ear and will pray with you that an interpretation might be revealed. Anyone had a dream that they believe was initiated from God? Very good. A few hands up, see? Yeah. Excellent. So many. A lot of hands. Good. So I'm the only one that doesn't have dreams. <laughs> anyway, I'm not going to ask you to share now, but uh, if you want to share afterwards, or write it and share it later in a testimony, that would be wonderful. There is no time to hear them now or to listen to the resulting testimonies, but at least each of us can try and write down our dreams. We have our testimony book, don't we? Um, so do write down the dreams and say what you think God is, is saying. So he says things to us in the service as we've been hearing this morning, but other times maybe out of the service, but still I somehow relate to the church, we think. Bring it to us and share what, how God might be uh, using our dreams to guide our lives, just as he did with Paul. Now, Acts 16, verses 17 and 18. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God. Who are they telling you to the way to be saved? She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around to her and said to the Spirit, In the name of Jesus, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the Spirit left her. Guiding number three. When there is no other option. Now, I was, I was trying to think of a more spiritual manner of putting this. To, to get the, the technique that Paul used. Um, because Paul was guided by the situation, the lady who told fortunes and predicted the future. But the long and the short of it is that what caused him to be guided, what caused him to cast out that spirit, was he got so annoyed. Well, I can't really preach about that, getting annoyed and then getting guidance. That he then commanded the spirit to come out of Jesus in the mighty name of Jesus. Why did he wait until he was so annoyed to free the lady of the Spirit? I have no idea. <laughs> and even if he knew that it would lead to a loss of income for the owner and perhaps a riot amongst the crowds, it would have still seemed to have been the right thing to do. So what guiding advice am I giving you here? Perhaps it is this, uh, the way I've raised annoyed, this spiritual way I have translated annoyed. At times, there is no other option. And so we simply have to have faith that God will lead us and that he has a reason for bringing us to this point. And in this case, it was certainly the case for Paul. Yes, there was a riot. Yes, they were beaten. Yes, they were thrown into jail. And yes, it was because they were thrown into jail that ultimately the Philippian jailer and his family came to trust in Christ. Because he was annoyed with his lady. And he said, the Spirit, get out of her. But one thing led to another in God's perfect timing, perfect will. And it led to the, the faith of the Philippian jailer. And that's where I pick up on our last... Uh, no, I think there's one more. Uh, guiding. At that, uh, Acts 16, verse 33. At that hour of night, the jailer... Oh, where am I? Oh, yeah, sorry. No, no, no. This is a verse to... Ah, this is just a... 
Acts 16, verse 33, just about the conversion of the flippant jailer to show you the happy ending of this annoyed guidance. Sorry, I jumped. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them, washed their wounds, then immediately he and all his household were baptized. And it was during their time, in, yeah, so now I want to pick up, sorry, I got a bit lost. Um, Acts 16, verse 25 to 28. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open. Everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, Don't harm yourself. We are all here. So, guiding number four. It's not always the obvious that needs to be followed. Okay, it does not say that they were praying for their safety or release, nor does it say that the fellow believers in this case were outside the prison were praying for this. But I presume it, was, it may have been murmured at some point. So when the earthquake shook the prison and the walls broke down, the chains fell off, Paul and Silas, surely this was a miraculous sign from God, ultimately saying, you're, you're free, get going, and fast. At least, that is what... I would have been praising God for. But apparently it was not the case in this case, at least in this situation. And Paul and Silas knew that this was not a miracle leading to escape, but a miracle that needed for them to remain where they were, and even all the other prisoners. Of course, as we read this passage in hindsight, we know perfectly well why this needed to be the case. But at the time... It would have been, not been my interpretation of the situation. The lesson for us is that even when the way seems obvious, we should not stop praying and seeking the will of God. Perhaps this wide and obvious pathway is the one that God wants us to proceed along. But perhaps it's this less obvious but much more important pathway that we need to follow. And this is why they had to stay in the prison. Acts 16, verse 34. The jailer brought them into his house, set a meal before them. He was filled with the joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. So that's some tips about guidance. Different situations, different leadings. Of course, the Holy Spirit is working through all of them. And there are other ways which God can guide us as well. This sermon's not about guidance, it's just picking, but it's about Acts 16 and 17. So, leaving guidance behind, let's move to women and family. Today, we celebrated the dedication of Zion. And we have committed with Patrick and Lynette as they raised Zion within the family of Christ to be with them. We did the same for Chanel a couple of weeks ago. And it is our strongest prayer that Zion, Chanel, and all the other growing throng of babies that we seem to have in KCL will grow um, in their Christian understanding, their faith, and at one point they will come to know Jesus as their Lord and their Saviour, and in obedience get baptised as a visual sign of this faith. It was great a month or so ago, I think we closed the church, we all went to McKinney to witness our brothers and sisters 
uh, at KICH in McKinney getting baptized to their witness. And many of you are those people here today. We praise God and we continue to celebrate with you. However, as I was listening to the testimony of those people, as Roy and Patrick, and they were standing in the pool, and they were getting to get plunged, um, many of you testified that as an infant, you had been baptized, uh, for which you were grateful to your parents for their demonstration of belief and sowing the seeds in your lives. But now you wanted to demonstrate your own faith through adult baptism. And we praise God for that. There is a debate about this in the church, but let's not get into that now, because whether as an adult or as a child, it is not the baptism which is going to save you, but your underlying faith in Jesus. In all baptism examples in the Bible, the person hears, believes in Jesus, and then goes to be baptized. And this is what happens in the two baptisms we read about in Acts 16. Acts 16, verses 14 and 15. The first one is about Lydia. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshipper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. And then, of course, the Philippian jailer. Acts 16, 31 to 33. They replied... Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of night, the veiler took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. In both these cases, not only did the main person get baptized, Lydia and the jailer, but also all of their households. We do not know the age range in the households, but we can assume it assisted of all age groups, from children to old people, as was the nature of the extended family life at that time, just as it is in many Ugandan households. Did they all believe in Jesus? We have no idea. But due to the strong context of that time, the faith for the household leaders meant that all would follow suit. This is not a message for or against infant baptism, or christening, as we sometimes call it, but to state clearly that whether a baby is baptized or dedicated, the critical part, that it is done within the context of a Christian household, as we saw this morning, and even within the context as a wider church, as we've committed ourselves to this morning, to be with Patrick, Lynette, and their extended family, to support Zion in our prayers and in our love and in every way that we can as a church, as a church family. Now, I also see many women who are appearing in these uh, chapters. We have Lydia, who we've already mentioned. Acts 16, verses 14 and 15b. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer of purple cloth. She was a worshipper of God and the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. The prominent woman of Thessalonica, it doesn't name them, Acts 17 verse 4. Some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks 
and quite a few prominent women. Prominent Greek women in Berea, Acts 17, verse 12. As a result, many of them believed, as did also a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. Demarius, right at the end of our chapters, Acts 17, verse 34. Some of the people became followers of Paul and believed. Among them was Dionysus, a member of the Areopagus, and uh, also a woman named Damaris, and a number of others. It seems a shame that in 2022, I'm still led to highlight these names and the prominent women who are mentioned in Acts 16 and 17. They were mentioned by Luke because he knew that such women were a critical part of the growing church. And unlike many religions of this time, and perhaps within the culture in general, women were not to be pushed to one side, but their role in the church is acknowledged and emphasized. This we know from the actions of Jesus, who took time to be with Mary and Martha while visiting their house, and spoke to the Samaritan women at the well. Of course, this is ably summed up in this well-known verse, Galatians 3, verse 18, 28. So in the church, or in Christ, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor there is male and female, for you are all one in Christ. I know in KACL this verse is very much part of our culture. And this is great, and I praise God for it. So, a little bit of last action before I finish. Let us get up, like they do in the Anglican churches after communion, and offer one another a sign of peace, that we love one another, that we acknowledge one another. Let's bump our fists, or if you're confident, you can shake hands. If you don't have your mouth, turn away like this. But let's just move around for a few moments and greet one another in Jesus' name. Let me first of all greet our family. <coughs> Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Welcome. Well, this is Okay, 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 more of that over tea and coffee. Well done, KIC Laboa. Thank you for your unity. Thank you for your love for each other. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor there is male nor female, for you are all one in Christ. Praise God, brothers and sisters. Okay, now...
The final one is the unknown God. I've run out of time. I've run out of words. I always judge how many words I have. <laughs> the computer tells me my word count is up. And if I can keep time. But let me just close with a few lines concerning Paul's message to the Athenians. That's at the end of chapter 17. And the passage I think we was well known, we often call it the message to the unknown God. And in Acts 17 and verse 23 it says this. This is um, Paul talking through Luke. For as I walked around, or he's speaking actually, for as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with the inscription to an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship. And this is what I am going to proclaim to you. If you remember right at the beginning, I entitled this message, Making the Most of Opportunities. And we have considered this through guidance, through being who you are, in God's kingdom. And now, identifying the thing that can be the entry point for you into the ears and the lives of others for the sake of Jesus Christ. There can be a point of, there can be a point of standing on a street corner and pre pre preaching, as we see and hear so often as we move around the city. Some seed will fall on fertile ground. But the sowing might be much more successful if we can find a common entry point into the lives of somebody onto which the gospel can be placed. This is why we, when we become Christians, unless God specifically calls us to a life of solitude and prayer in a monastery or a nunnery, then I believe we should continue to be salt and light within the circles in which we are moving. We bring Jesus into the sports club into the rock band, into the drama society, into the football supporters group, or whatever it might be for you. Not in a pushy way, but simply shining for Jesus. And that's what Paul did in this uh, passage. He picked up on that thing. The Athe uh, Greek people, the Athenians, they love debating. They put, they're hedging their bets in every corner. And so Paul picked up on this and said, oh, I know this unknown God. And they were listening, and they actually, if you read, they wanted to hear more, and that's how some of them, including Damaris, became Christian. So for us, it may be that we're a great speaker or debater. It may be any of the other things that we do in our so many different lives that we have. The Athenians loved debating, and Paul was happy to go along with this, and was a light to some within this very confused situation, where everything seemed to have been tried. Acts 17 verse 32 to 33a to finish says this. When they heard, it, heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered, but others said, we want to hear you again on this subject. At that Paul left the council. Some of the people became followers of Paul and believed. So, Make the most of the opportunities you have for Jesus. Were the, were the consequence of this work that was going on in Acts 16 and 17, actually the whole of Acts, but today Acts 16 and 17, we're just part of that continuing story of the Christian church. And through the guidance, through being who we are and making the most of who we are, moving in those circles where we can rotate, where we have 
ability to shine in a very natural and ordinary way, we bring Jesus into people's lives. Some may believe, some may not believe, but we keep sowing. Let's just pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for being part of your kingdom. We thank you for being part of KIC. We thank you for being part of your church here in Uganda. And Lord, we just pray that you would continue to use us to, for your kingdom. Lord, that we continue to take opportunities that you give us. Lord, we thank you for who we are. We thank you for using us. We thank you for refining us, making us more like you. And Lord, in those situations where we find ourselves, let our light shine for you so that others may be able to see you and praise your goodness. Lord, help us to be sensitive to your Spirit's leading. Lord, close those doors where you don't want us to go. Open those doors where you do want us to go. Let us uh, be aware of our dreams, whatever it might be, Lord. Let us know your words. Please speak to us and speak into our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. Good. Uh, while you're having a coffee, there is a question at the end. If you want to discuss it, or if you want to carry on giving a peace of God to one another, and chatting, chatting, also very fine. Thank you. So, um, there's always homework, <laughs> so he's typing it up, but as he does that, let's just give a hand of applause to um, Alistair for, his mess for the message. Thank you so much, Alistair, um, for the word. Um, please uh, read forward um, Acts. Next week, we're going to be covering the next two chapters in Acts, and it's good when, you've, when you come and you've read, because then... Um, you can be able to relate to the message much more easier. Of course, you can also read the back chapters because you never know when the quizzes will come up. <laughs> so Rory is preaching next week, eh? I think. Yeah, so that's a hint. <laughs> Do your homework. Okay, thank you also for the cakes. Um, yeah, that's uh, greatly appreciated. And uh, we've come to the end of the service. Um, he's going to put up one or two questions just for you to think about and uh, meditate on even as you take of tea and coffee. Um, and to just have fellowship with one another. But otherwise, we thank you for coming and joining us this morning for fellowship. Um, and uh, please, please, please um, don't go without saying at least hello to somebody. Say hello to someone. Um, we love you. And uh, if you are leaving, if you just visit us for the first time and you're going back, please pass our greetings on to wherever you're going to. Let's pray. Our Lord and Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your power that has flowed freely amongst us. And Lord, we thank you that even as we depart from this place, you are going with us, that you are always with us, um, that you dwell with us. Lord, um, we ask that even as we come into this week, I ask for uh, this uh, congregation that they may truly be blessed. They may walk in your blessings for this coming week. And that the enemy will not hinder 
or stop them from accomplishing your will. We pray that they will be strong and they will gain their strength from you and your love will be manifest in their lives. In Jesus' mighty name we've prayed. Amen. You are blessed and have a great week. Amen.